Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Like many of you, I've had people at times say, How? Pastor How? Brother How? How can I pray for you? You've had people ask you that before, and it's always a, a blessing to have people that sincerely and genuinely want to know exactly how to pray for us. As believers, we are to pray for one another, and we're very thankful for that. This morning, as we continue to explore the little book of Ephesians in the New Testament, we're going to see how to pray for East Haven. As I looked at the latter part of chapter 1, which is where we are in our walking through this book, this epistle, I, I, that's just what I saw. I thought, well, here is a very genuine, powerful prayer from the Apostle Paul for a church in Ephesus that he loves. It wasn't a perfect church. There is none. And it's like, that's how we can pray for our church. So my hope and prayer is it will hopefully remember these two major points. It's on your outline. There's some sub points along the way. I'll try to make sure you can get those, though there are no fill in the blanks this morning for those sub points, is how we can pray for East Haven, for a New Testament church. I... Uh, I'll tell you about a guy that was in my first church. And go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1 if you haven't already. And let's just call him. He's in heaven now. Wonderful man. Deacon in the church. First church there at Middleburg outside of Jacksonville. Loved our experience there. And let's just call him Wally because that was his name. Loved Wally. So while he was raised with the King James Version of the Bible, like I was and some of you were, I was so glad when that big green living Bible came along <laughs> as a child to just get a better understanding because we don't really speak King James. At least we didn't in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. And so I, I, while he evidently was raised with the King James, there's nothing wrong with the King James, but... He'd not been instructed as far as publicly praying because when he prayed publicly, he prayed King James. Our Heavenly Father is thou dost. And I thought, Wally, bro, you're from North Florida. Now, in case you don't know, North Florida has three. Florida has three three parts. You got North, Central, and South. North Florida, in my this is my opinion, is like the Deep South. Wally, we, we're in the Deep South. We don't we don't talk King James. I hear you talk all the time. You talk like me. Why do you pray 
King James? Well, because he'd never been instructed that though he read the King James, that when you pray out loud, you don't pray necessarily the King James if you don't speak King James. You see, when we pray out loud, it just needs to be from our heart and genuine. And the more we spend time with God personally in private prayer and the more experience we have, perhaps, in praying publicly, the more comfortable we will get. But I do believe that we should be sensitive to those that may not have been used to praying out loud. And some of you may say, well, why why are you so caught up in that? Because I was a preacher's kid. And as a preacher's kid, I've already told you this, and I'll tell you over and over because it helps us be sensitive to others that may not be ready. I was called on at times in Sunday school as a kid, and I didn't want to pray. Just because my daddy was a preacher, I wasn't at a stage in life to pray. Though they prayed at night, though we prayed around the table, I just wasn't ready. And I have known guys especially that never come back to church because they were nailed one time with the prayer. So that's why I bring it up every now and then. But it may be we're going to be helped this morning by this text and because I believe that true prayer is honest. Elizabeth Elliot wrote in one of her books about the Orthodox Church that had a prayer called the Jesus Prayer. Now, I'm still coming to the text in a minute, but I want, I want, you, to, I want you to listen to this, the Jesus Prayer. Because I want us to say it together in just a minute. Here it is. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Let's say it together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Now, it might be. Guys or gals or teenagers, you want to take out a piece of paper and write that down on a piece of paper. And if every, anybody ever nails you with a public prayer, you say, hang on just a minute, ma'am or sir. And guys, you pull out your billfold and you find that. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you say, let us pray. And you read it. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Amen. It'll work. Orthodox Church, Jesus' prayer. There you go. And we ain't got it to the text yet. I'm just trying to help us out here because sometimes it may help us to go to that Bible study, to go to that small group, to go to a home Bible study, a cell group, or church because we finally have got a way to work through that just in case somebody nails us with the prayer publicly. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Man, that'll work. Because isn't that, isn't that what we need? It says it all. Or it may be, and I'll throw this in. You say the Herald Prayer. Now, that was my dad. Harold Tribble Kitchings Sr. I heard him pray. As a pastor, I heard him pray during weddings. I heard my daddy pray uh, at funerals. I heard my daddy pray on Wednesdays. I heard my daddy pray all the time. 
there's only one prayer that I can tell you. I'm telling you, one day I'm going to jump. There's only one prayer that I can remember, okay? And it was shorter than the Jesus prayer. We'd be sitting around the table, and sometimes there was a conversation that had, you know, just gotten out of control that was crazy and funny and probably my older sisters were the one that was causing the trouble. And, 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 and my daddy, he'd just look at us all and he'd, and he'd just say, and we'd know it's finally, you know, after whatever it was was going on. And here's what he'd say. Lord, help us. Amen. <laughs> That's what I remember. I love it. It was genuine. It was short. And it was appropriate for the moment. And so there you go, men and women. If you're in a situation and you don't know what to say around the table or somebody knows with the prayer, say the herald prayer. Lord, help us. Now, let's look at this text and let's unpack it by God's grace and help us understand how we can pray for East Haven. Now, you remember that this is the Apostle Paul who's writing to the church at Ephesus. And if anybody knows what it's like to pray genuinely, desperately, fervently, it's the Apostle Paul. So, let, let me, I tell you what, before I, I know I, I'm, coming to, I'm coming to the verse. But before that, I just want, I want to remind us who this is and, and all that he went through. As, as I read this preparing for today, this past week, I thought, you know what? Every now and then, I just need to read this. Because sometimes I think what I'm going through is bad. And oftentimes I'm reminded compared to other people what I'm going through. Now, it's real for me, just like what you're going through is real for you. But I think, man, it could be a lot worse. Now, listen to this. This is, this is why this prayer is so powerful. This is a guy who says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12, I've worked. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews of 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. Country in danger at sea, danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked besides everything else. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. In order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake... I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whew. Here's what he says. Ephesians chapter 1, 
Continuing, we're in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard, church, about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That same power that he says is on us as the Holy Spirit once we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ is available. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exhibited when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. How to pray for East Haven. The same prayer that Paul prayed for the church. Here's the first major point. It's in your outline. Spend time giving thanks. Spend time giving thanks. Thanks. It's in verse 15. And the two ways that we're going to mention as sub points, not in your outline, but if you're taking notes, you may want to put it there, is he gave thanks for two things. First of all, because they have faith in Jesus. It's saving faith. It's sanctifying faith. Before you get to heaven, there's this sanctification process that helps us grow in our relationship with Christ. So we'll fulfill our purpose. We'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. We'll enjoy the relationship that he wants for us. They had faith. In other words, they didn't just walk around like, I got my heaven papers, I'm good. I'm just going to do what I want. That's not what Christianity is all about. You can't enjoy the blessings of God. You don't abide in Christ. You don't bear the fruits of the Spirit as far as biblical biblical standpoint. And so he's saying, I thank God for you because you have saving faith and you have sanctifying faith. You are growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. So often we intercede, we have supplication, and we pray all these things and we don't take time to thank the Lord. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. And so he's reminding you, he's reminding me, take time to thank God for the good things, the godly things you see him doing in the church. That's what he was doing. Faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and being certain of what you do not see. Hebrews 11.1 1 and verse 6, 11, 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we hope and pray that we not just have saving faith. And we want people to be saved. We want people to go through the waters. We want the people to get saved when we have a a revival weekend and a few weekends. But we want people to be growing in their faith. Thank you, Lord, for those that I see that are taking their relationship with you seriously. We need to take time to thank God for that. What's the second thing? Because they have love 
for all people. Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And the great commandment, Jesus summarized. Love God with your heart, soul, and mind. And love others as yourself. You see, in 1 John, this is what it says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What did Jesus tell the disciples? They will know you by your love. They will know you by the way you pray, you pray lofty prayers. No, that's not what he said. They will know you by the way you preach. No, that's not what he said. He said they will know you. The mark of a Christian is genuine biblical love for people. We're sinners. We're not going to always get it right. But Jesus lets us know you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love others as yourself, and you meet them where they are. That's what Jesus did. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, and spent time with the disciples. And so he reminds us that we need to love people. Now, how can you pray a prayer specifically of thanks for East Havenites? Let me give you a few, and I've just been here seven months. Here's a few things I would say that I would have in my prayer. One is in recent days we've had because of their family and because of this church family, two college students that has said, I believe God wants me involved in ministry and in missions. Praise the Lord. You're to be commended for that. That's because of a godly family and a godly church family. That didn't happen just overnight. That was over a period of time. You kept, you kept teaching those little rascals God's word. You kept singing with them at vacation Bible school. You kept disciplining them at home. Parents, probably not a whole lot, but every now and then, because I'm sure they never got in trouble. You kept doing all these different things. And in the last several months, they've said, I'm following God in missions and in ministry. That is something to say, God, thank you for that. What else? And those are just two. There's others that I can think of. But those are involved right here in our church. And that, that's, that's the thing. I'm still getting to know people. And I just thought, I just thought of this because I, I saw Chris. Do y'all know Tanner? Tanner's not around here. But I've got to know Tanner because he's over there in Jackson and MC, and he's serving as an intern in a church, and he's working and going to school to be a coach. I'm telling y'all, and that's the thing if you start naming names, there are a bunch of college students. Let me just say this about our college ministry. There's something going on there. And it can only be explained by God. There's some wonderful people over there at Colian, 
And there's, we love Daniel, and God's using him. We've got some adults that are working with him day in and day out and been doing that before Daniel got here, before I got here. But there's something going on. That, a lot of times, is how revival, genuine brokenness revival starts through college students and through students. And so we don't need to take it lightly. And so we need to thank God for what he's doing there. Here's another thing. 75 years of ministry, I think, happened before I got here in the last year. Some churches don't make it past five years. Our location and facilities, we're grateful for that. Because of that, there were 600 teenagers or so in here on a Wednesday night because of see you at the pole. Because people in the past had a vision to have a, a place like this. There's a caring congregation. I had at least one person this past week who was going through some health issues that said, I've been overwhelmed with the love of, of East Haven Baptist Church. Not the minister, not Phil, not me, not Robert, not Daniel. That's fine. But the people of God taking care of the people of God. That is a blessing that that's a part of our DNA. We don't get it right all the time, but that is something that we have. And then this next month, Here's how we can be thankful that we're going to have an evangelist here on the 22nd of this month and this weekend that God uses in a powerful way. If you've not marked your calendar for that day or that night at 6 p.m., please do. That's the kind of service, especially that night, that you want somebody that would never darken the door to come to. You're going to have to just trust me on this. Please. Be praying about that. Thank the Lord that he's coming. Thank God already for what he's going to be doing. Thank God for the community Bible uh, study that we're starting for seven weeks, the outreach efforts with our children, our adults, and our youth. Uh, thank God for the Haven Cross that hopefully as we're working with people, we'll start seeing some signs of that. We're trying to be patient with that, so that's why you hadn't heard an update. We're just trying to wait on people to make moves and thank God for the prayer room. You know... We have, for the first time, or at least in a long time, people are praying right now during this hour. Some of you signed up for next week and the next week. That's a God thing, and that's a good thing. That's a biblical thing. Because we're to be people of prayer, and we need to continue to incorporate different ways to pray for one another and pray for our church. Thank God for that. We need to thank God for other things and ministries that I haven't even mentioned. Here's what Frank Clark said. It's a fella. If a fella isn't thankful for what he's got, he isn't likely to be thankful for what he's going to get. As a Christian, one of the ways that people should know that we love Jesus is we have an attitude of gratitude that's ongoing, not just in the fall or at November. Just a a grateful spirit. Just being gracious. Just loving people. No matter what kind of personality we have. You know, sometimes we can excuse ourselves from doing things the Bible wants us to do because we say, well, I got this certain kind of personality. We better be careful because God said... Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love other people. We do have different personalities. We do have different makeups. But there's no opening or pass for being who God specifically says we're to be in his word.
give thanks. Because faith in Jesus and because of love for all people. Second major point, spend time interceding. Paul intercedes for the church in two specific ways. Here's the first one. For them to know him. Verse 17. Listen, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, this is what the apostle Paul said. This was his one desire. He said that I might know him. Who? Jesus. And because Paul's one desire, greatest desire, was to know him, and that was his first priority, out of the overflow of that is how God was able to use him and do so many other things that continues to have a ripple effect today. That's what he said. And so here's what we can do. We can pray that the people of East Haven will know him always. Well, how about, well, we need, we need to pray about the number one thing we need to pray is, God, I pray that the people of East Haven will know him personally, have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's dynamic and personal. I'm going to try to explain it. I want you to, in the way you can think about this, is think of one of the greatest people you know as a Christian right now. Who, just just for you, think about somebody that you can get to know a little bit. We know people from a distance. I've mentioned Dr. Tony Evans. I don't know Tony Evans. I don't know that I'll ever know him. I shook his hand one time years ago. I was starstruck a little bit. I think he's a great man, but I don't have a, option really to get to know him so who is it that you know and at this point in your life just think man and ladies you may be thinking of a lady it could be a parent or grandparent guys you could do the same with a dad or whatever outside my family I told Kelly the other night outside of my family This isn't a perfect man, and I should make more of an effort to get to know him better. But he was in our church with our senior adults about a week or so ago. It was Dr. Jim Futrell, former executive director of Mississippi Baptist Convention, and I told Kelly, I said, I want to be like Jesus, but I hope one day when I grow up, I can be a lot like Dr. Futrell. For me, not you, but for me. He's one of the greatest men I know. And by God's grace, I've had a few times to get to know him personally. The first time I heard him, I was in chapel at Southwestern Seminary. You know, chapel and seminary wasn't always exciting. But I was back there, and I'd never heard of this guy. He was at North uh, Fort Worth Baptist Church, and they said he was from Mississippi. And I was sitting back there, and I started listening. I thought, man, that guy's great. He speaks to me. 
God uses him to speak to me. And I sat back there and tried to get the nerve to go meet him, but I never did. I was like, I'd like to go meet him. Nah, I can't do it. So I just kind of sat there and watched him, watched him from a distance. I thought, man, I want to, maybe I'll run into him again. And then after seminary, I went to a church in Jackson. And he ended up being at a church in Jackson. And he was on the radio. He was at Broadmoor. He was on the radio. So when I'd drive to my church as a youth minister, I'd listen to it. So I got to know him a little bit through that. And then later on, <clears throat> I had a chance. And my dad, my dad had, had passed away when I had a chance shortly after that. I was 26. Nobody could. He was the greatest man I knew. Nobody can replace your dad. But if there was anybody that was close, it was Jim Futrell. He didn't know that. But then I, then I had him for a class. I was working on some classes to get in the doctoral program. And so he, I had him for like two classes. And I got to know him mainly because he couldn't read my writing and he wanted to talk to me about it. And then years later, I was at a church that was relocating. And he'd been through that three times. And I knew that. So here once in a while, I'd go up to the Baptist building and say, I need to talk to you. I'd go in there sometimes dragging, thinking, man, Lord, I wish you hadn't called me to be here for all this. And I, there'd be tough times. And I'd leave there thinking, man, I think it's going to be okay. Because that's the kind of man he is. He's an encourager. He blesses people. He has joy. He has joy. He's a great man. He's one of the greatest men I know. I sent him his outline this morning, his outline for men here with the senior adults. He, he talked about the Caleb prayer, the greatest days, confessing Christ, investing in others. Those were his three major points, and I sent it to him. And this is what he, my phone's down there, but he basically just said, he said, this was typical, Harold, I'm Harold Jr., Harold, you are the man. And I said, uh, well, I want to be, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I want to be more like you. Please pray for me. And I did the emoji with the, you know, because <laughs> he knows me. <clears throat> and then this is what he said, because he heard about my dog, Woodrow. He says, it's typical Dr. Future. When Woodrow has puppies, I want one. <laughs> That's it. He'd say, hope you have a great day, man. I'm praying. When Woodrow has puppies, I want one. That's why I love him. Now, I want to tell you something. As great as he is and as thankful as I am for the way I do know him, and there's some people that know him a lot better than I do, he's not Jesus. As great as that person is that you're thinking about, that you want to, be like, and you model out, they're not Jesus. And the Bible says we can know him, the perfect son of God. We can know him. And the power of the resurrection that raised Jesus from the dead. We pray. We read God's word. We connect. We serve, we love people, we testify, we give, we invest in others, we repeat, we pray, we read, we connect, we serve, we testify, we give, we invest in others. Why? Because we're going, that's why we're trying to get to heaven, because of the love of Christ. Blessed are you. 
for those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's available to know him. There's more than just going to church. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've told you before, when I was in college, I'd sit in the balcony at First Clinton. My dad was at the Baptist building. I loved my preacher. I loved my church. But there were times in college I'd just look around and think, there's got to be more to this. We'd sing. We'd pray. We'd do the doxology. We'd go home. We'd come back. We'd sing. We'd pray. Decide it. Come on. We'd sing. We'd pray. Come on. And one day it's kind of hit me. It's like, God, there's got to be something. And it was me that was missing it. There's a lot more than that. It's what happens outside the four walls when we know him. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that makes everything else make sense. Two ways. Major point number two. Here's the second one. One is to know him and two, for us to experience him. That's in, that's in verses 18 through 23. We don't have time to go through all that, but let me focus on the one word, the word power in the text. The Greek power means dynamite. In other words, God's power is so unimaginably great that it belongs in another sphere altogether. It's the power that brought Jesus out of the tomb. How do we know if we've connected to Jesus so much that we display a power like this? Two ways. Sub-sub points. Here they are. One, the greatest evidence is the power that a person has changed. Have you been to a high school reunion lately? I have. I went last weekend. It was 40. 45. And I'm telling you. Not all of them that I graduated, 267 or whatever graduates at Clinton at that time, not all of them were raised in church and went to church like me or confessed to being a Christian. I should have done a lot more. But there were some that were pretty reprobates, pretty paganish. You know what? There's a bunch of them, a number of them that have been changed. Only God can do that. A way that we have experienced Christ is a changed life. We can't work up things like that on our own. Christ can change anyone. And some of you are a result of that, and some of you know people like that. Yeah, I know so-and-so, and I'm telling you, he's changed. He's not perfect. I don't always understand him, but just as he pursued unrighteousness, now he's been changed by God, and he's pursuing Jesus, and it's amazing. It's a changed life. That's how you know there's been the power of the change. And then God's power is best displayed in weakness. Paul. His thorn in his flesh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. His condition forced him to lean on Christ more and more and enabled spiritual growth. We must admit our own inadequacy. The more weak we are, the more inadequate we realize we are, the more desperate we are because we have a situation that we can't change. We see God say, oh, God, do a miracle here. I need your help. Lord, the herald prayer, Lord, help us. Help me. It's doubtful, Tozer said, whether God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. Maybe your trials and tribulations this morning are a blessing in disguise. Prayers of East Haven should be done for us to know Jesus personally. 
and experience him daily in his life, in, in, in Christ's life. I want you to stand. Our staff is going to be here at the invitation. Let me tell you what it's about, but I want to tell you one other thing. When you pray that prayer <clears throat> and you start by thanking God, Lord, this is my prayer of East Haven. I want to thank you for, and you list two or three things, whatever it is. And it may be you pick a day and say, on Wednesday, that's my prayer, my, my East Haven prayer. And so you thank God, Sunday school teacher, deacon, person, whatever it is, you thank God. And then you intercede that our church will know Christ and experience him. When you do that, I want you to know I'm not just talking about you as people. I'm talking about me and the staff. Just because we stand up here and speak or sing or play the guitar or you teach Sunday school or you're a deacon doesn't mean that we've had a fresh word encounter with God lately. It may have been a while. It may be we've gotten just caught up in doing the thing and gotten away from the relationship. Dear God, help us. So when you come to that prayer, say, God, help our pastor to know you. Help our ministers to know you, to know him, to know you, Christ, fresh and anew. When I mention that prayer, I'm not just talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about us too, all of us. We're going to sing. I'm going to ask our staff to come now and just stand right here. It's an invitation for you to come. Our worship guide explains what this time is for, and it's also a time to pray. The altar's open. If you feel led to pray about some of these things I mentioned, pray about your walk, pray about Thursday, whatever it is that God leads you to, this is his invitation. Dear God, this is your invitation. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.